Section 19 of Early Rome by Wilhelm Ina. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 14. The Agrarian Law of Spurius Cassius. The great disparity of political rights which separated patricians and plebeians had its counterpart in the economic relations of the two classes of citizens. The patricians are always represented as the rich, the plebeians as the poor. In a rude age when the industrial arts and trade were all but unknown, wealth consisted chiefly in the possession of land and cattle. The Latin tongue, by calling money pecunia, that is, cattle, chattels, sufficiently denotes this original identity of wealth with land and the produce of land. That the patricians, as the wealthy, were the chief owners of the soil we might infer a priori from the circumstance of their being the governing class and the original conquerors of the land, for it was the invariable practice in ancient Italy, a practice followed by the Romans themselves in historical times, for the conquerors to treat the conquered land as forfeited, and to make such new dispositions with regard to it as suited their purposes. They usually left only a portion of it, one half or even less, to the old owners, and took the remainder for themselves. This was declared public land, that is, the land of the populus or governing people, and was occupied by members of the ruling body who used either to cultivate it themselves or give it in lots to be held and cultivated by their dependents or clients. None of this land reserved for the populace could be occupied by the inferior class of citizens, nor could such portions of it as were left in pasture be used by them. Other restrictions may be supposed to have been made, for instance the prohibition of the free purchase or inheritance of land which had been set apart for the ruling class. As long as the memory of conquest was fresh in men's minds, such institutions would not be felt to involve cruelty or hardship, for according to the law of ancient warfare, not only the property but even the liberty and life of a conquered people were at the mercy of their conquerors. Whatever was left to them was a free gift, and would be appreciated as such. But when in course of time the two classes had gradually grown into one people, it would be felt that the traces of the original wrong inflicted by the stronger ought to be effaced. As demands were made by the plebeians for civil rights, so they naturally began to claim a release from those restrictions under which they had hitherto lain with regard to the tenure and enjoyment of land. This is the origin and meaning of the agrarian laws, which agitated the early republic side by side with the contests about political rights. They did not and could not refer to the disposal of newly conquered land, for at the time when we hear of the first agrarian disputes there were no new conquests made by Rome, and therefore there was no land to distribute. At a later period the case was different. When Rome entered on her career of conquest, and large tracts of public land were at her disposal, the agrarian disputes referred to these new acquisitions and had consequently an entirely different character. The first agrarian law is said to have been proposed by a patrician, Spurius Cassius, who was consul in the year of the secession, 493 BC, and again seven years later. The descriptions of his proposals given by our informants are so confused and palpably erroneous that we can make nothing of them. 
they proceed on the false assumption that Rome had a great deal of conquered land to distribute, and they mix up the account of the agrarian law with the conditions of a league said to have been concluded at the time between Rome and her neighbors, the Latins and the Hernicans. We cannot attempt here to unravel the errors into which the analysts have fallen, nor to discuss the different opinions held about the nature of the agrarian law of Cassius. We confine ourselves to pointing out the apparent connection of this proposal with the struggles of the plebeians for more equal rights, which seems to be evident from the facts that Spurius Cassius was consul in the year of the secession, and that he brought forward this motion in his next consulship. He was the first patrician who espoused the cause of the plebeians, and the first also who paid the price of such a policy. He was charged with treasonable designs and was condemned to death. His law was not carried into effect. It remained a dead letter, though it acted as a stimulus to continued agitation. End of section 19